everyone. Welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. Rob, welcome back. I'm back in the studio. No more just audio only. Oh, yeah, so. I know. We're we're back doing this. It, it feels like we were gone a long time. I don't know why. Yeah, even though we were. It's only been a few weeks. Yeah, yeah just and even though we were doing uh, audio, it just yeah, it's just a little different when we only do audio. And of course, last week you were out. Yep. for an event and um so let's uh i guess maybe we could start there you went up to uh somewhere in canada right yeah i i went up a little further north in calgary this time up to the edmonton um area up a little bit further north so it was an interesting city to go to about three quarters of a million people up there it's a decent sized city so that was where pod summit was held in its second year so I kind of I let off the event with a little state of podcasting presentation. I I really focused on talking to that group uh, about what's happening in Canada because fortunately um, the Edison folks came out with that sh- you know share of ear study for Canada just a couple of weeks prior to that. So I had some information to share with them. I'm sure a lot of them pr- maybe probably heard about it, but I think a l- lot of the attendees of that event probably didn't know about that study that came out. Really? Some interesting data that is unique to Canada. So uh, about podcasting, actually, they listen to uh, podcasts a little longer than even in the U.S. I mean, as far as more of them finish the full episode up there, which is interesting, than even in the U.S. And uh, and the Google Home smart speaker (laughs) is the most popular um, smart speaker up there. The Alexa is not the most popular smart speaker up in Canada. Hmm. Let's call it the Amazon device so we don't trigger people's devices. <laughs> I know. I keep I keep forgetting. Yeah, that's okay. So what, uh, you know, what else was, you know, going on at that event? How, what was our attendance? How'd that all look? Well, it's still a pr- pretty small event. It was about a hundred people. Uh, it was held at the uh, oldest public radio station in Canada. Uh, the The station, uh, I guess, was founded in 1927, um, but it's a beautiful facility in an older older building with uh, all you know. The actual place where it was held was had an all glass back wall to the as part of the presentation room so you could see outside and had a lot of natural light in it but it it was a really you know it was just a one-day event we just kind of flowed through you know starting with my presentation talking about kind of the state of podcasting and then flowing through getting into details on how to create a podcast and how to market your show and what type of content to produce and it just kind of you know and i think what's going to happen with that event is that i think it's going to expand and get into a bigger facility and i I think there's talk about making it be more of a nationwide Canada, you know, type of conference. So instead of being kind of like Western Canada focused. Um, so, you know, it sounds like we may be seeing the birth of a conference uh, that's decent size up in Canada, which well, I think is good. Well, nice. So you cat back from that and yep. then you almost did a flip flop and you went down to LA, right? Well, I, Actually, I went to LA first. Oh, so and then I flew from LA up to up to Canada. So, so it was a couple of days prior. Oh, so um, yeah, so the, yeah, the so, Worldwide Radio Summit. 
Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. How did, did, did they all go have a cocktail when your session started? Well, our session did start right after lunch, which is a, 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 I would say a kiss of doom. Um, but that's, it actually worked out. Actually, the room was pretty full. I would say that the room probably had, uh, maybe two or 300 people in it. Mm. So it was a good size, it was a good size attendee type of room. Um, the kind of moderator of the event or or the session pulled that event together, um, under the guise that he wasn't going to do a podcasting panel. So, you know, just to kind of set it up. Right. Oh, and, and, but it was more about talking about, you know, are all these new whiz bang things like smart speakers and, and podcasting uh, versus streaming, you know, what's really going to happen, you know? So the tone of the, of the panel session was a fair amount of skepticism, right. About all this newfangled stuff. Um, but when we got up on the panel, the conversation was all focused on what was happening in podcasting, the direction of podcasting, what's the future of podcasting. I thought it was kind of <laughs> kind of funny how it actually turned out. A bait and switch. So, well, to some degree, but I kind of expected that was probably going to happen just because uh, you know, I think that that audience is still curious about podcasting. And and though I, I you know, the longer I'm involved in kind of presenting at radio events, the more I think that, um, they're going to, they're going to embrace it, but it's, it's not going to happen very fast. So, and that's, and as far as I'm concerned, that's okay. I think, um, they're still wanting to live in a world where they think that radio is the, the largest medium in the world. I mean, if you look at the presentations that are, are presented at those conferences, radio, FM and AM, mainly FM these days, but uh, is always sitting at like 93% of the U.S. population is listening to radio. So they all think that they're sitting on top of the world, um, which is, which may be the case. I, I can't really say, but it's, I think as you look to the future and maybe the time frames that we're talking about here or 10 years or whatever it is that I, I believe that percentage is significantly going to drop fast starting at some point. Right. You would think right, so. Right. Well, um, the, the question is, is are they, you know, the, the reality is though, they're all broke, <laughs> you know, there, there's ma- mounds, even, you know, with the iHeart uh, reorganization, they're still broke. They got mountains of debt. Well, yeah, but if you look at their the industry ad revenue, it's like what twelve, fourteen billion dollars in ad revenue. It's just that they spent so much more money than that that even that cash flow isn't enough. <laughs> it's kind of what's going on, I think, right? Right, because they you know they overspend on stations and they got to support those plants, and that's why they've been consolidating, consolidating, consolidating. Re, you know, reducing costs, but you know that's a whole nother topic, but well, I'm glad you had a, a couple hundred people in the room. That was more than I had a couple years ago. So, mm-hmm. so good. Well, I can see that that crowd was, you know, it's like a little skeptical of podcasting sure. continues to be. Um, but I do think that most people in that community are aware of podcasting and kind of aware that they need to be doing something with it. Yeah. So, I mean, if I look at, I mean, that conference is really focused on kind of radio and music. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
you know, kind of talking about podcasting at that event is a little bit of a bolt on. It's not really a primary focus of that event anyway. Right. Um, so, I mean, I thought it was interesting to be down there. It's, it's first time I'd been down in LA in many years. So, um, it, it brought back some memories of my podcast one days. Right. <laughs> well, besides the conferences, there's the, the, the space is, there's no news, but no news in the podcasting space at all. No, not, not at all, Todd. <laughs> it's like the slowest time ever in the 14 years that we've been in it. Yeah, so I saw a tweet by you that was, well, first of all, we got two two topics to talk about when it comes to, well, let's talk about uh, the acquisition of Pocket Cast first. I saw a tweet from you that <laughs> looked kind of, I don't know if you were cynical or if you were like, this is completely ironic or why don't you talk about your your thoughts on the acquisition of, of Pocket Cast with, by NPR? Well, I just thought it was a little I, ironic and I don't want to, you know, stir up any bad blood too much uh, in, amongst the community. So, I mean, I was a little skeptical of it only from the perspective that, you know, you start looking. <laughs> hey, Rob, I lost you. I lost you completely here. I hear I don't hear any audio from you. I think Skype failed us. Hey, Rob, <laughs> he, he can't hear me. <laughs> I'm, I'm tapping my ear. Maybe he can. Can I hear you now? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> you just like it dropped. It was almost it was almost like there was a um as soon as you started talking, I don't want to have any bad blood, and it just died. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be talking about that topic. It's yeah. Funny. So anyway, yeah. so you said you didn't want to have any bad blood, but you found it ironic. Yes, that's uh that. NPR would would acquire, or NPR and a group of NPR-related um, entities would acquire a uh, podcasting app that um, is full of indie and commercial radio podcasts, and then put in place a CEO of that uh, application that was from uh, iHeartRadio, right? Commercial radio, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, you do have to step back and you just look at that and go, okay. Um, what is the bigger strategy here? Does, um, and, and does yeah. does Pocket Cast generate enough revenue to support a CEO? Uh, I think they charge what three ninety nine. Okay, but it's three dollars and ninety nine cents. Isn't a one isn't it a one time deal? But I was kind of like yes. it, it kind of struck me funny that that was that they were actually had a CEO assigned. That was the thing. I was like, okay. All right, uh, that's interesting. So now, let, you know, because it's you know, yeah, it just doesn't. There's some yeah. cash there. Yeah, and and the second thing that struck me was that they almost immediately came out. We're not going to be tracking any people. We're not going to be adding anything. We're da -da -da -da. you know, there was this a big you know they they were because their community reacted, and um, but I'm thinking to myself the group that just bought you is working for 
very, very hard to get rad adoption in the podcasting space. And yet you are immediately saying we will not, will not track you. And I was like, really? You're not going to add anything in there to do? You're not going to add rad to the app? That that was a pretty big statement to come right out of the gun and say, we're not going to add anything. They didn't even say rad in the words, but they kind of, so I thought that was ironic in that, well, you know what they want to do. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's in the face of this, this EU um, oh. thing that's going on, right? Of, of clamping down on, on tracking people via IP, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a challenge to the podcast monetization um, era that we're in right now too. So, but I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just really curious about the bigger strategy of this acquisition of this app by public radio. I mean, it just, um, I guess it, it, it just begs a lot of questions. Right. And, and I think they're trying to address those questions because I, I know I raised those questions, um, about what's going on here with this too. And, I guess there's nothing wrong with them having this, but I also think that um, now as indie producers out here, um, in you know, there is a listening app out there that's tapping into, I believe, Apple's catalog, right, to yeah. populate its yeah. its uh, its app yeah. of shows. So NPR now owns a app that's distributing every podcast in the market right and that includes indies and commercial radio too and i guess how does that align with npr's mission to be non-commercial and at the same point is an app that like you said ties directly back to apple gets all its shows and feeds and information and metadata from apple so you know that you know, that's the thing that most of these app developers don't realize. Apple could flip the switch and turn that off, you know, and then they would have to go build infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know. And who has the only other catalog of all the other pot of all the podcasts? I can't think of who that might be. Tom. Well, it's, you know, <laughs> it's okay. We're here. We're here when they need it. <laughs> you know, exactly. But yeah. you know, but it is, you know, so all these apps are tied back to that. So the the real question then becomes is to watch for change over time. See what happens with the Pocket Cast app and see if all of a sudden the NPR shows are sneaking to the top and if mm-hmm. there's like a separate area for them and all of a sudden if the indie stuff gets starts getting pushed down. I haven't I don't use the app, so I'm not super familiar with it at all besides the screenshots. So um, yeah, I hear a lot of people have yeah. you know great things to say about yeah, the app. I, I I think of all the apps for them to acquire, this was probably probably oh, one of the better ones. Of course, yeah. and and it also Pocket Cast supports one click subscribe on Android. So uh, hopefully they won't pull that out. But uh, you know that's they were one of the early ones that we got to support that. So mm-hmm. um, so you know they have both iOS and Android. So I I, I is this a is this NPR's way of battling the dominance of Apple or uh, yes, <laughs> but yet they're, but they're codependent upon Apple for the, for the apps database catalog. Yeah. 
Talk about walking the line on on lots of little issues here with this acquisition. I don't um, I don't like being codependent upon anyone. <clears throat> yeah. No, but it does. I mean, it, it does raise a lot of questions. Yeah. I mean, th- there's no question. The there's a lot of lines that were crossed in this acquisition. Um, not ones that are like illegal or no. wrong for them to cross. It just raises a lot of. You know, I think the indie community needs to be aware. Um, I think that uh, commercial radio needs to be aware of what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, they, they just need to keep an eye on what's happening over there. Right. Um, so, you know, the public radio side of this industry, you know, um, has a certain amount of confidence in their place. I'll just put it nicely like that. And... They, they want to be even bigger than they are. Yep. So, and currently they're not as big as people think they are. No, they're, um, yeah. no. And, and that's the honest, honest truth. Right. I mean, that's not what those folks want to hear. But, uh, if you look at the bigger picture, public radio is just a small piece of the podcasting space. It's not the biggest piece, which we all know is the indie producer side. Of course. So I guess yeah. we'll just watch this and see what happens with the app. And I'm going to tell you the the rad uh, meeting should be interesting next week. Um, it really should because you know I I've had several emails back and forth with Brian and yeah uh, I have too and yeah. talking about and just within the last week or so. Oh. Um, and he he was not happy with. Well, he wasn't. He's concerned about the blog post I put up about rad adoption and the uphill battle we have. And uh, it's just the truth. It's just the truth. He doesn't right. like it, I guess. But and you know, and I, you know, I, I, you know, I gave some, you know, gave him some suggestions. You know, we if you if you want to have this go much further than beyond a bunch of podcast companies talking about it and coming up with a spec, you need to start reaching out to the app developers. And he said, it was kind of funny because it was the day the pocket cast, uh, um, acquisition was announced. He says, well, watch the news later in today. And so, you know, we, that news came out about the, um, acquisition and then mm-hmm. almost immediately was followed up by a blog post saying, Hey, 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 we're not gonna. And I was just like, uh, and you know, that's adding to my layer of scratching the head. But I think that, um, as I was, you know, telling him in, you know, just an email, I'm just like, you know, if you want to move this thing, you got to get the app developers to start participating and making it, you know, we're going to have to make it easy for them. And there's a new, another group out right now that is trying to do the same exact thing. Um, and it's called uh, Pingback, podcastpingback.com. And they're trying to do essentially the same thing as the, the RAD protocol. And so, you know, I had been telling the podcast pingback folks, I says, you know, we make sure you go over and talk. There doesn't mean there doesn't need to be two efforts that essentially does the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and believe it or not, I think based upon the information I've seen, I think the podcast pingback protocol is might be a little more developed even than what the rad one is. So it's kind of ironic here because, you know, we really haven't seen a deep spec on rad yet, but anyway, that's, it is what it is here. But the, um, 
we'll we'll see how this plays out. But oh. they it's it's gonna be an interesting ride. Yeah. Do you know is the rad spec? I haven't looked at it that closely. Is it um, compliant with the EU's privacy, you know, initiative right now? I I don't think so. But that was something I think it was brought up. If I remember correctly, because I don't think I attended the meeting. I think Angela did. And because we were, I'm like, Angela, make sure that they're thinking about GDPR and tokenizing IPs and all that. And uh, I think he mentioned it. But I think there's, see, I, I be honest with you, I think there's a lot of podcasting companies not ready for May 25th. I think there's going to be some, some people scrambling to catch up. Uh, yeah. But no, I mean, we've been working really hard on it. I know that. You know, I just, you know, the lawyers sent over like five new privacy documents and, you know, all this stuff that we have to employ. And it's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, we're, yeah, it's, I don't even want, I'm just cringing about the amount of money, money I've had to spend on becoming compliant here. It's, it's, it wasn't budgeted. Let's put it that way. I've had to take it out. Well, I'm, all of the dev is slowed down. Yeah. Because well, of you've it. had to, what's well, the same thing happened with us too. We've had to apportion a significant part of our current development cycle to, to making this happen. And it's basically killing off oh. lots of things that we needed to add to the platform. It's driving me crazy. You know, it's essentially a two month setback is for the way I look at yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So, and that's, you know, fast approaching. Um, you know, I've seen some announcements by at least one company, podcasting company, talking about GDPR, but not a lot of detail. And, uh, you know, so saying it and doing it are two different things. You know, being actually having the, you know, the back end system actually being truly compliant is, uh, you know, it's one thing to say you are compliant, but it's a much different situation you know, to actually be compliant. So, mm -hmm. um, so anyway, that's, that's down there. I'm like all over the place this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so much to cover. We're trying to jump around and yeah. cover stuff quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so of course yesterday dropped this bombshell of a newly created venture who has raised $40 million from a venture group Lu called New Enterprise Associates? Luminary Media. Luminary oh, Media. Luminary Media, yeah. And they are going to be launching next year in the podcasting space. Um, I had to load the Wall Street Journal. I don't, I'm not a, a reader of the Wall Street Journal. So I had, I loaded the Wall Street Journal in, uh, in, the, uh, in my mobile app and was able to read the whole article. And um, it looks like they're doing premium, hundred percent premium. Yeah, they're looking to partner with like Wondery and and How Stuff Works and these folks to create premium content. Yeah. So the the next the Netflix um, podcasting platform is you know this is like you know how many times before has the Netflix podcasting platform been, been attempted a lot? Um, yeah. Um, really, I mean, all, all you have to do is look as far as audible to find out, to find a Netflix podcasting platform. Right. So the, so the question yeah. is, how do you, how do you put the genie back in the bottle? 
Okay, so the, the genie being free. Yeah. How do you, how do you put that back in the bottle? Do I don't you, think you do. I don't think there's any way to put it back in the bottle. I for, think uh, 40, 40 million is a big number, Rob. Yeah. Well, co- creating content's not cheap, is it? Okay. <clears throat> but, you know, creating and licensing content and then, okay. So, okay, let's, you're going to come to me and going to do a licensing deal. Does that mean I can't be on other platforms? I have to be on that one. And then I have to give up my advertising and. I have to hope that you're able to find enough subscribers that will pay to listen to what was free. And is that really, Todd, even a podcast at that point? It's just, they say they're already doing licensing deals. So I, you know, uh, if, if they're willing to pay, write me a check, a big enough, a big enough check. Yeah, that's going to yeah, be but a, we're not a, yeah, but we're not really content creators. You know, I think that's the, I, I'm a content creator. The, well, <laughs> not, not the kind of content that these guys are looking for. Right. I think what they're looking for is a uh, big time storytelling podcasts that will scale to millions of listeners. You know, uh, that's what they think they're going to accomplish here. Yeah. Oh, Oh, did you hear, Todd, that uh, not to change subjects, we, we, we can go back to this other story, but the Alex Inc. TV show got canceled yesterday. Did you hear that? i be honest with you, Rob. I don't even know what the Alex Inc. TV show is. It's, well, if you think about Alex, uh, kind of the guy that created uh, Gimlet. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. So yeah. he had a TV show? Well... <laughs> It's more like a namesake <laughs> reference in this TV show. Okay. With uh, Zach Braff. Um, and and it, Zach Braff played a podcaster in this TV oh, show on, okay. on network television, right? Right. And and I think it made it through like maybe four or five episodes and the, the they, studio canceled they it. it. <laughs> well, again, I don't watch too much regular TV, so it's... Yeah, well, and that's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... But, anyway, I, anyway, let's go back to the other topic, uh, talking about $40 million going to content creators. Yeah, um, so so they're going to build a platform, and they're going to have premium content, and they're going to want listeners to sign up like they do for Netflix to pay for content on the platform. Yeah, wasn't CastBox supposed to be doing this too? Right? And they're still in business, right? They, they, as a matter of fact, they are. <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> I think it's uh, what their CEO is, uh, Renee Wang, I think is her name, and she came from Google. So um, this this is another platform that's being launched with you know grand a- ambitions to be you know like the HBO of podcasting or you know those ambitions and. And I know at some point we'll probably talk about um, Anchor too, right? I went to castbox.com. Yes, we're going to talk about them. I went to, <laughs> they must not be castbox.com. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what they are then. there's a weird, oh, it's castbox.fm. Ah, okay. I think they're just another host, aren't they? Host and listening app. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all free, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. So maybe they don't have a 
um, a premium play. Yeah, so their website just shows an app. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they're just an app. They're sponsoring a podcast movement party, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, I it's just, it's one of those things, Rob, where 40 million is, uh, it's pretty ambitious. And they're going to be based out of Chicago. So, you know, I did, huh. uh, I went looking for them and found some, some filings and, uh, looked at the founders page and really I didn't get much too much insight into him. So mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. if these folks are got that kind of money, we'll probably see them in, uh, in Philly. So we'll be curious to see what happens with them, but 40 million is a lot. Of course, you know, the last group that had like that kind of money was a pod show at about, I think they burned through 36 million. Um, how long did they last? <laughs> Maybe three or four years. Yeah, three or four years, right? Before they burn through the their money. So yep. it's you know just a lot of people with money that are coming up with. Yeah, you know it's okay. I'm. It's fun fun to watch the yeah. space. Well, it's it, it's it's going to keep pushing the medium forward. I you know at the end of the day, we're all still trying to address the core issue, and that's scaling this medium on Android, right? Yeah. And I know, I mean, you've been trying to do that for a while now, and the recent, you know, kind of news that came out a little bit about Google was was interesting, and that's that's a good good development, but it's certainly not the solution. And some of it uh, wasn't news; some of it was rehashing stuff that was already in place. Yeah, but, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And we probably don't have to rehash it again because no. I think we we hashed it already. Yeah. Um. So so anyway, I think it's good. Uh, you know, I know you probably keep hearing from people kicking tires out there looking to invest in stuff. But that's, that's what I'm hearing too, is that there's definitely a renewed interest in, in, um, you know, venture capitalists or whoever out there looking for investments, looking for high equity stakes for relatively low dollars. I would imagine maybe that was the case somewhat with some of these new companies that we're seeing in the scene right now too. Well, so. I know that there's a lot of people talking, a lot of people that want to sign NDAs, but I'm going to be frank. Uh, there's, well, there, there's a lot of money floating around the space right now and uh, people looking to do some land grabs. So, you know, and, yeah. they, and you know, going through that whole, and this, you know, that, that's something in the podcasting business side that we don't talk too much. It's expensive to do these just to have a, a talk with a company about money acquisition, um, opening your books, the, just the lawyering up of all the stuff that has to happen to, you know, to make sure your data remains secure. If the, if something doesn't progress, it's, it's a, it's a major pain in it and it can be a distraction too. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause you have to, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a process. It's a big process, but yeah, there's, yeah, I think there's a lot of money floating, but, uh, you know, I think the majority of podcasting companies are, have been doing okay on their own and, you know, unless some, in some great terms are presented, um, I don't think there's going to be, well, we'll see, we'll see what happens with the space. I don't know that I'm, you know, 
I guess what's next, Todd, I guess is, is something I keep thinking about too. I mean, I mean, if you look at the history here, it's always been kind of small steps, small improvements, um, small growth patterns. Nothing really breaks through um, and causes a dramatic change. I mean, though, though I would say that the Spotify situation is probably the most recent exception to that. Oh, it seems like that's God. created created quite a quite a wave in the podcasting yeah. space. Um, not always a positive one. Um, <laughs> as we've seen, um, I also noticed, and I know we wanted to talk about the recent announcement that, uh, NPR did a deal with, uh, Spotify this week. They get their own, they get their own button or something like that. Right. Is that what it is? I don't know about, well, I don't know. I, what does I it really mean? What does it really mean to them well, getting distribution? <laughs> well, I, yeah, exactly. And the devil's in the details on that one, because if you think about um, any major content company getting distribution on Spotify is going to raise a lot of questions, right? Because guess what? Spotify is redistributing content that usually breaks um, some rules. Well, I don't uh, know. Most, most most media companies have on distributing their shows in the podcasting space. Well, it's. It's an interesting move, and but you know it, it happens at the same time that we're at a podcast-wide global freeze on new su- new content, new show yeah. submissions, and uh, yeah, and it's you got podcasters. I'm getting daily emails. When is going to happen? You know, yeah. and I'm sending a boiler point boiler point response. Please. Yes, yeah, and uh, just because. We have a semi idea when it's going to happen, but you know, it's still a ways off before they're going to start taking shows again. Yeah. And it's from what I gather, it's not going to be like the floodgates are going to open. It's not like the dam's going to break. It's still going to, even at that point, it's, they're going to just flow in, you know, at a, right. Not a fast pace, but at a reasonable pace. But, um, we're talking about sometime in early June potentially, Mm -hmm. but it's, they're not, definitive on that they don't want to make any promises and uh we're all hoping but that's you know who knows what yep. happens actually yeah and i've been digging through we've got our stats interface under final beta right now and i've been digging through you know just loading my shows and you know looking at uh, you know some content and looking at some you know looking at some data and mm-hmm. i don't know you know i i think there's high expectations by a lot of podcasters and uh, we'll see what their reactions are. I, you know, some shows get a little traction and some shows get almost none. So it's, yeah, I think it, uh, it gets back to how that show matches up with the demographics of Spotify. Yeah. I I don't know if I would call it the number two destination in podcasting right now yet. I think it's too early yeah, it's too, to actually know that. Yeah. I'm, I think I have to have some more data before I can, you know, do a roll up of everything. And, well, uh, plus, plus most podcasters that are included in Spotify right now can't even say, see what their numbers are. <laughs> right. Really? So, there's not numbers per se. It's not, it's, it's a totally different, you know, we had to make a whole new panel on our stats platform that was not, these are, you know, it's, it's not apples and oranges or it's not no. apples and apples. It's, it's, yeah. Did I say that well, right. It's a, 
yeah, it's well, it is apples and oranges, really. Right, it is apples and oranges. Yeah, yeah, the the distribution on Spotify leans towards um, on-demand streaming, right? right? Um, kind of is what it is. There's offline listening, but I mean, a lot of the technology that Spotify is using is the same technology that they use for music, right? Right, right. Um, so there's nothing unique um, that they've built that's specific to podcasting other than a feature page. Um, yeah. So the the offline listening part is they basically take an encrypted file, which is your episode, and store it on your local machine. It isn't like you can download an episode from what I gather. You know, I'm not on the technical team at Spotify, but I would assume this is how it works with music too. That You basically can download a a copy of the music or a podcast episode, but that's going to be encrypted on the hard drive. So it's not like you can drag it off and put it on another device or anything like that. It's, it's a controlled um, offline listening experience. Right. It's kind of like what it's a little bit like uh, DRM, right? With audible has done this for years as well, where they, they, they actually encrypt the files and you can only play it through their player. Right. And that's, I believe that's what's happening with Spotify. Well, should we uh, should we talk about uh, <clears throat> our futile, futile is that the right word our futile conversation we had with a big time YouTuber? Oh yes, Casey. <laughs> nice dad. Is it nice dad or nice dad? Yeah, nice. It's nice dad. Casey, nice dad. Fantastic yeah. YouTuber. Six point nine, almost seven million followers on YouTube. Launched a podcast with his lovely wife. Candace on they launched on Anchor. So <laughs> so Rob, um you sent me a link to Casey's website. It's man, this is six point nine million people on YouTube. He has um you know um he's doing this launch this new initiative called uh, 368 or 386, one of the 368 or 386 in New York City, and it's I, I'm excited about that initiative that they're doing. But Casey's is basically said, I don't need no effing website. <laughs> um, and, and he didn't say it that way, but he might as well have said it. But his website is, wow, right? Yeah, it's basically a text document, yeah. Yeah. With links to social platforms, yeah. Right. So, you know, Todd, I mean, I think this has been the a, a question that's come up uh, off and on over the last couple of years, right? Since we moved into this app generation yeah. um, or, or this app-focused uh, ecosystem that Apple really created is that we've created this divide, right, that's happened between um, the web, worldwide web, right, mm-hmm. and the internet, which – and I guess that divide has always been there, Todd, but um, it's just a matter of when I say that the divide is between the World Wide Web and the Internet, what I'm saying is that apps live on the Internet side. The web is a website, right? right. So, right. so there is two separate things here, but, um, but he's of the opinion that um, most of his followers are not engaged in the web anymore, mm-hmm. right? I would say that that's that's wildly inaccurate. Um, and I'm not sure that he understands what he's talking about when he talks about that. I would say most people spend a lot of time bouncing back and forth between the web and apps. 
And Whether or not they realize they're doing that is a whole nother question, right? You know, his he's going to carry his show with his with his YouTube audience. You know, that's <clears throat> he's going to grow it there, yeah. no problem. And sure, but, but that's on the web too sometimes, right? <laughs> right, right. But I was, you know, the point I was trying to make with him was he's he's big into creators and creators' rights and their content and owning their content, and he, you know, he's. He's a huge, I mean, huge advocate for creators. And I just Maybe thought, not. well, I just thought it was so <laughs> ironic because I, 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 I tried to get him to go read his terms of service over at the company he's hosting his podcast with. And I'm like, here's a creator that has, you know, got 6.9 million followers on YouTube and he has allowed the company he works with to assign irrevocable rights to his content. Mm -hmm. And uh, in in all essence, uh, he no longer owns his content. And I just... uh, Well, he got bought is what it comes down to, right? Well... They built him a studio. Yeah, they built him a studio. Yeah. And it's, you know, and be honest with you, it's okay. It's you know, it's it's some it's a couple of back walls, some mics and some lights. You mm-hmm. know, because they're they're also recording the you know, I, I it's it's I don't know. It it's cool. I'm gl- I'm glad they went right to number one. I would have expected nothing less. But yeah. uh <laughs> Yeah. But going to number one doesn't mean what he thinks it means, so that's that's but he, he's a guy truth. that just, he's focused and, he, and we got to understand, I'll understand Rob, his perspective. He would never sit and listen to us talk. Um, he's very fast moving. He's, he's got a publishing schedule every day. He, he's thinking about the next shot, the next, uh, the mm-hmm. next thing he's going to put up on YouTube. He is completely engrossed in creating content. That's his entire focus. Entire mm-hmm. He doesn't care mm-hmm. about anything else but creating content. Yeah. And he's done some clothing and some stuff like that, uh, you know, hoodies and T-shirts and stuff. But, you know, and his wife is a creator, too. She's got a brand called Billy. And uh, I think it's a jewelry line, um, different types of things. And they're both successful. So, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just, it's a different mindset. You know, where I'm, we've always thought about building brands and um, that to me is, you know, most important in controlling my brand and all that. I've been a, you know, huge advocate from the really very beginning on that. And just to see, it, it just, I can, I can say, okay, cool. You don't want a website or anything else. That's your prerogative. But just the simple fact that, that he has given up so much, uh, of his creative rights and it just blows me away. I mean, just blows me. And for those of you that don't know, um, that haven't read the anchor terms of service. And if you're on anchor, I highly encourage you to go read the terms of service over there. And I'll just leave it at that. And if you, if you, if you don't, you've been warned. Um, yeah. Well, Todd, I mean, you have to admit that, uh, a guy like Casey um, maybe has enough power and clout in what he's doing um, to make really those terms of service kind of invalid in his particular case, right? Um, maybe. I think 
he has enough power to just kind of do what he wants to do. Right. Um, and not be, I mean, I suppose the company could really kind of legally hold his feet to the fire if they wanted to, but I think that may be counterproductive for anchor to do so. Right. Right. Um, so I think that could be a little bit of what's going on here too. Um, you know, Anchor is doing some things that I consider to be cheating in the podcast hosting business. Um, let's be honest about it. Them automatically submitting your show to iTunes is a a break in, in uh, podcaster confidence, right? Um, it's not a practice that any of the other platforms would even conceive of doing. I. I understand the reasoning for doing it, and that is to make things as easy as possible for podcasters to get going. Right. And we all want that as well. Yeah. But we also have to face the realities of doing what's right for the content creator, too. Uh, and I believe Anchor is violating uh, content creators' rights and control all over the place, and that's that's where our angst, you know, Todd, you and I's concern comes from, uh, is that they are violating the trust of content creators. And the problem is, I don't know that content creators all the time or every time realize that that's what's happening, um, because there's a lot of new people coming into the medium right now. That's right. Hey, Rob, we. I'm just double checking here. We might be offline on Facebook, but we're still live on YouTube. I don't know okay. Facebook. Facebook is like dropping in and out, so it doesn't appear. Anyway, I'm, we had people up a few minutes ago, so I just sent a note in Facebook saying we're yeah, the live videos having trouble on Facebook. So, and then, oh, and you know, another thing too is driving me absolutely crazy. <sighs> Pippa? Oh, man. Oh, Pippa, yeah. Oh, man. You know, and I, we had a, a customer call us, and I mean, literally, well, called Mike, and literally screamed at him and called him every name in the book. How dare you give my email address to Pippa? <laughs> and uh, we're like, hey, 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 we didn't. They scraped your RSS feed. It's not us. We didn't. We, why would we give your email address to someone that's, you know, and they, oh, man, it's just, it's such lowbrow, desperate poaching tactics it's really crazy mm -hmm. and they do it to yeah. every company every you know every new if, if you have a brand new show you're scraped and within uh, 24 hours you get an email hey come over here and host with us and it's yeah. spam through and through so yeah i guess it's a sign that the that the market is getting competitive right yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people you know as 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 more and more companies take venture capital and get you know in situations, there's a lot more motivation to right. to do stuff. Ryan Gray so, says podcasters don't have the power to move the needle where people listen based on their where they just Spotify is number two because there are a lot of people listening there. I don't think Spotify is number two and podcasting, not from the data I'm seeing. Ryan, I really don't see that. So 
we'll see. I don't think we, well, I think generally, I don't think there's enough shows over there to, to really, you know, in a broad sense, move the needle that much yet. Right. So, you know, Spotify took on a bunch of shows. I don't know how many shows you guys got in, but we didn't get that many shows in before they closed it down. Right. Um, I think we have probably in queue right now waiting to be submitted over to their, to them, you know, five or 6,000 shows. Right. So it's just a matter of, you know, when that opens up. But prior to that, we didn't have that many shows submitted into Spotify. So I don't know how many total shows you guys got in and how many Lipson got in, but I think Lipson definitely had a longer time frame to get shows in than all of us, all the other platforms. Had. Right. Yeah, we're all playing catch up. So I, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, I don't, I think I know roughly what the number is, but I think like you were sitting on probably three or 4,000 that we need to, that we're waiting to get in. Mm -hmm. So, and they're just piling up, yeah. you know, that, that's the thing. And, you know, originally we got, you know, asked to just shut down taking submissions. And I, I kind of pushed back on that and said, no, we need to keep taking submissions. <laughs> right. <laughs> and when you open up, we will we'll submit them over to you. But, you know, that's the, that's just what you have to do in this situation. You can't just turn it off and on. You mm -hmm. have to, you know, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't send the right message to the community. So I think they were just, uh, I think they were a little surprised. Of course, maybe that's why when <laughs> when we first had talks with them, I said, "Yeah, we got you know five hundred and forty-five thousand shows we can submit." And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, not all of them hosted on on your platform, but yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you want a full catalog, right? Yeah, <laughs> here you go. Yeah. Well, I so so we may be partially online, partially offline today. That's okay. This is a podcast. Um, I've had uh, some internet issues here in the past week, and uh, so maybe maybe Facebook died. Um, anyway, it's definitely I'm seeing errors pop up here. I had some a band. What was going on was um, I had some bandwidth issues, and it was intermittent. So I. I don't know what's going on, but anyway, we're, we're, still, we're podcasters. We're not live streamers. <laughs> did, yeah. did, um, so what else? It, it just seems like it's one, lots of little things has been going on. So anything else that you wanted to talk about that popped up? Well, I thought it was interesting that, um, and it, it was put out there that mid-roll brought in about $11 million in revenue in the first quarter of 2018, which I thought was interesting news. And iHeartRadio uh, hired a new VP of podcast revenue strategies, Carrie, Carrie Lieberman, um, hmm. which who I've reached out to. I, so, uh, so podcast revenue strategies, so that means all the podcasts that are going to be on iHeart are going to be monetized or the podcasters going to get compensation that's what i'm going to find out when i talk to carrie oh. so we'll we'll find out what that means it probably means that uh, they're going to advertise on top of your podcast and the podcasts are going to be given jack <laughs> well it, it doesn't say advertising revenue strategy it just says podcast revenue strategy Todd. okay well so. rob that's the same thing <laughs> well <laughs> earlier conversation 
uh, the direction of premium, right, okay. is going on here too. So we'll see on that on, on how all this plays out. Yeah, you know, and it, and it, I think it's a valid conversation, Todd, to have too. Is can this industry, in the long run and in the bigger picture, entirely rely on advertising as its base of industry revenue? Um, there's going to be fluctuations in the economy. We're going to have a time coming up. Hopefully not too soon where we're, we're going to see, you know, a recession or we're going to see a pullback. Uh, and what's the first thing that companies do when that happens? They pull back on their marketing budgets. So, you know, we've seen it time and time again. Uh, we may see over the next couple of years a pullback on advertising. Well, we've seen it in the past with podcasting. Well, too. we, we mean, didn't really see it during the – we actually saw more ad dollars coming in during the last – decline when the housing market went kaput so well that's well todd it's not hard to show an increase when you're only doing like <laughs> 10 million dollars right that's true, that's true. <laughs> but once you get to a certain scale you know yeah. uh these 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 market trends tend to have an impact right right so, yeah, yeah, in the yeah. scheme of things, yeah, we were just flies on the wall, but yeah, the the, <laughs> the revenue, the revenue did continue to increase, or the spends did. Yeah. Oh, funny. Going from one to two million dollars is uh, right. right. Yeah, yeah, but for you know, for a small company like me, going a million to two million, that's woohoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. You know. that's a hundred percent increase. Don. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Uh, great yeah. growth. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. But it, yeah, so I don't know. I and I think podcasters have been trying to figure out the premium piece though. And very few, very few do it successfully. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I also see that cereal's coming back for season three coming up in the third quarter of this year. <laughs> uh, okay, great. Woo. Yes. Yeah. Season three. Um, wow. I, I'm sure that's gonna move the needle. Yes, yes. Okay. Um yeah. I'm sure it's it's going to be included in uh, Pocket Cast. Of course, right? you know. I, and I featured, hope I hope featured they, pretty highly. I, I hope imagine. they I hope they have a hundred million listeners. <laughs> really, I do. In I all do, honesty, I do too. yeah. <laughs> but you know, I I become we are we're like old curmudgeon here. We, I get we get a little <laughs> we get a little cynical because you know we kind of know maybe where the needle is actually going to fall. You hope it doesn't, but you're kind of like oh, okay. Uh, you know, why, you know, you have to wait a whole year for another season. Come on. Come on. This is podcasting. You know? Yeah. Well, they're not going to achieve anywhere near the success they did on their first series. Right. It's all well, downhill from here. Right. Well, we hope it's uphill, you know, <laughs> that hasn't been the history of this kind of stuff. I know. I know. Because you build on top of audience. You don't, go offline for right, a year right. and then come back and think that you're going to hold on to your audience. They've, they moved on to lore or they moved on to yep. watching Alex Inc. Well, maybe not, but, um, yeah. So they moved on to stuff that's in their ear every week. That's right. Yeah. You know, and this is, you know, like I get it. And I, I actually have this now as a default uh, boilerplate response to people. What do you think about it? What do you think about episodes or series? Yeah, series are great. Long as uh, or seasons. Uh, yeah, seasons are great. Long as uh, season one ends on a 
Friday and season two starts the following Monday. It's those are great. <laughs> That's right. You can call them whatever you want. That's to, right. But, Just don't yeah. take a month or two or three or six or nine off. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought that the whole season thing was great for the content creator, but horrible for the audience. Right, right. Yeah, you get get nine months off. It's fantastic. So so the question, though, really is, is do you, okay, there's a new, something new that uh, is, is, well, it's not new, but it's been popping out once in a while, where they basically release the whole series at once. Bam. They drop 10 episodes on you. It's the whole... Was it the Netflix Amazon model? Yeah, where they, yeah, yeah. It's the it, binge binge viewing phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The I think that the the actual mechanical problem with that is is that the Apple Podcast app is really not designed to optimize getting those episodes um, because it won't download them all. You know, if you drop 10 in there, they'll, yeah, it'll, it'll do, it'll download the last three or four, but it's, it's not going to grab, you know, episode six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 automatically. They still have to go in and click play. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, are, so are we going to see some of these podcast apps have like uh, binge viewing settings? All right. Where you, they just play one after another. You know, well, I don't know. Don't think so. Because we're seeing it in the on the TV side on apps. Uh, where did they just you know within like ten seconds they're playing the next episode? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I like that first. I like that feature on Netflix and then on uh, on Prime. You know, I really do. But I don't think that's a feature currently in in, in podcasting. Not generally, I would say. No. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, but yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on, lots of crazy stuff going on in the space. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's just, uh, it's almost hard to keep up with at some point. Yeah. So how goes your, your show? I know it's not something we've talked about lately. Um, You you know, it's, um, I, I had a weird month, uh, this is, uh, this is May in April. I have some insights into my sponsor performance and mm-hmm. uh, I don't get to see all of it. I only get to see, um, you see since the beginning, and this is just so we're giving some history here. When I started, uh, head GoDaddy started sponsoring the show in July of Oh five, the, or actually June of Oh five. Um, the only, when you went to the GoDaddy checkout counter, the only way to get a discount was to apply, cut and paste the, or write in the, the promo code. Mm -hmm. So from the very early days, I trained my audience to take the promo codes and enter them in the cart at checkout. And Uh, I'd done that for years and years and years and years. So three years ago, they wanted me to they still give me my own custom codes and custom offers, but they actually put me on, um, on commission junction. They actually put the, the interface. I still had the same contract and the same, nothing changed as far as how I was getting paid. It was a completely custom deal mm-hmm. in CJ. And, um, 
Mm-hmm. So what I can see over there, and because CJ's weird, is you only, I can only see the clicks. If someone has clicked on a link and went to GoDaddy and bought something, that's tracked in CJ. But if someone uses a promo code and checks out, it's not. So at the end of the month, they have to marry those. They have yeah. to pull in their system and say, okay, this was a number of codes that were used directly on the GoDaddy website, um, and which is cool. Uh, and then they give me the number. So in April, it was off. My, I, I usually can see a ratio of people that have clicked, and that ratio was off like 75%. I was freaking out a little bit. I couldn't mm. figure out why the performance was where it was at. And, you know, I kind of asked the audience to step up a little more and hindsight me in 2020, the performance wasn't off at all. Just more people were using the, you know, writing the code in at checkout and everything was end up being fine for the month of May. But I, for, but it, this is the first month that had ever happened. And I was completely tripping out. Uh, you know, I keep the lights on here. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is that more people weren't using the commission junction um, link kind of link yeah. pass through. Yeah. So uh, more okay. people were, and, and which goes to, cause this is a still what I tell the audience still on the regular show is, you know, make sure you use the code. It's appropriate for the product that you're buying mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, entered at checkout. Uh, I t- still send them over to the, the default GoDaddy landing page. And, um, as well. And, you know, and I've over time kind of encouraged them to click as well, just so we get it locked in in case they decide later, you know, three days later, they're going to come back because it holds the cookie for, I don't know, 30 days or something like that. I still get credit for sale if they come back. But the, yeah, but the show, so, it's, but go ahead. <clears throat> oh, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention. So the site that you're talking about is um, cj.com, which is Commission Junction, right. which is as has turned out to be the one the the affiliate um, platform right. that has um, survived right. over the years. Right. There were many of them out there that were in, involved in the early days of the internet yep. and the well in the web, but they seem to be the one that actually survived um, the shakeout that happened on, on affiliate programs a few years back. Yep. But um, so there, um, GoDaddy is using CJ in conjunction with entering promo codes directly in their website. Right, so right. for, for, ex, for external outreach is what they're right, using right. conjunction for. Right. And just okay. for the, just for the management of the campaigns and my codes, they've got a pre-built system. They just go in there and they assign my codes and mm-hmm. it's easy. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, it was, I understood why they wanted to do it from a management standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's not uh, going to capture all the data, though, unless no, they use it off of their own website. No, it's not. It sounds like it's what they were doing. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the, you know, that's the thing that uh, people need to be aware of, too. If you're using a system like, if you're doing affiliate deals, never tell them to enter the code. And ever, ever, never, ever tell them to enter the code at checkout. You tell them to click the link. Yeah, because then you're not going to get credit. Right. Yep. You know, because I've got a direct relationship and a long time, you know, a contract with them. They go into their back end and look when that code's been used. So, you know, if, if again, if you have a, 
if you have a CJ account, you always tell them to click the link. Don't ever, you know, you beg them not to enter the code at checkout. Which is a little counterintuitive, Todd, because we've we've kind of trained well, podcast listeners to enter promo codes, right? Well, as long as the vendor you're working for is checking their backend system for all the code usage, you're good. Yeah, that's true. There has to be a a cross right. Well, most most most, right. most ad deals that are being done in podcasting are not being done kind of the way my hybrid things working with GoDaddy either. So it's that's that's a whole different. You know, because if, if I do an ad deal with a company, we're usually using a promo code directly on their website. We're not using some affiliate management site to do the deals through. So is GoDaddy going to incorporate um, uh, the CJ um, kind of protocol in their their uh, their order shopping cart process? Well, well it is. If you click on oh, the it link, is. it is. You know, oh, no, but I mean, if they manually go in and enter the code. Um, there's no no way for that to be tracked back. Unless it isn't. Well, unless they're tracking that particular code. Right. right? And that's where you have. And again, I'm a one off. Okay. So my deal is kind of weird. If you're going to, mm-hmm. if I'm doing a regular deal for someone, we're we're not doing it through uh, where the, uh, where the codes right, are being issued by CJ. Gotcha. I get it. You know, they're entering my codes are creating them for me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But you know, it's so, you know, and if we're doing a deal with uh, stamps.com, stamps.com is going to give me the codes and you're going to go to stamps.com and enter and check out. So this isn't an issue, but yeah. it is an issue if you're using CJ, it just as an affiliate marketing tool, you know, you know, because if you think about most folks that are doing affiliate marketing, they're, they're not doing a podcast. They're doing it on their website and people will click through on the website anyway. They don't have a podcaster telling them enter the promo code at checkout. Yeah, that's true. So it is a, it's an interesting dynamic, but, but, you know, it's, I was, you know, tripping a little bit for no reason, but the show itself, um, I've got a, for about a year now, I've got someone that does pre-production for me and is my stand-in when I can't do the show. So uh, his name's Kirk and uh, he's uh, he's done four episodes so far when I've been on travel. So it's a, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're learning as we go. And sure. uh, I just cut him loose cold turkey. I'm like, oh, you, you got it, dude. Uh, you know, gave him some instructions, gave him a little cheat sheet on, and how to do the rest of the uh, the show production once he got done recording and uh, and uh, just you know uh, it's just like it's standing on the end of the sw- the dock and you get pushed in go swim. <laughs> <laughs> There's no safety net, right? You either no. fall off of the wire or right, you stand right. on the wire, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just like yeah. I remember when I had uh, first gotten married. Uh, um, we were going to go to see family in Michigan. And I was living in the Washington DC area and, uh, I got up into Pennsylvania and I got on the toll road and I got to a restaurant and I stopped. I'm like, all right, honey, it's all yours. <laughs> and then, you know, I just, she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you have to be, she's from Japan and she had a driver's license. But I said, you have to be, you can't be codependent upon me. You have to be able to drive here and, and be comfortable. And I got you on the highway and, let's go for a couple of hours, see how you do. 
So she always talks about that with her friends. Yeah, my husband made me drive uh, three days after we are like, you know, after we got married and threw her into the deep end. So, but now she's independent. She doesn't, you know, as as she should be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah. No safety line. Well, Todd, I'm. I'm definitely seeing a lot more activity in the podcasting space uh, outside of the U.S. more and more. Oh, that's and, you good. know, as this whole thing with uh, Pod Summit is a little bit of an example of that. Right. Um, I'm going to be doing a two-day workshop in um, Lisbon, Portugal, at the end of the month. I don't know if I mentioned that before. Yeah, I may have. Yeah. So, and I can see. I think that there's a lot of stuff bubbling even down in Australia these days wow. with podcasting. So, who knows? We may. I may be, or one of us from up here may be taking trips down to Australia maybe for too much longer. Wow. Um, it's hard, you know, it's hard to say at this point, but, uh, this industry is expanding and growing. And I, I, I think Europe and abroad, um, is about two, two or three, probably, yeah, probably three years behind the U S right now, as far as adoption of podcasting and understanding of the medium. But it seems like it's starting to turn around. I know s- there's huge stuff going on down in South America. I know, Todd, you're kind of a little bit engaged with some of that. Yeah, Brazil's huge. Um, so, you know, I guess it's it's great. We're coming into a time when podcasting is becoming really an international medium, uh, which it always has been. It's just there's events, uh, there's a lot of energy and excitement uh, happening around the world now. So it's good. So just as a heads up, Rob, I am tra- I am actually planning a true completely be disconnected vacation what yes <laughs> and uh what does that mean todd that means getting on a jet airplane going to a foreign destination and doing nothing for one week are you going to japan no i'm going somewhere in asia but i'm not going to japan <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> okay and it thailand is, Thailand? Uh, not Thailand's too far. So it is truly going to be a, um, a really like disconnected con- uh, oh. vacation. No phone. Uh, no phone. I will be doing my best not to use the phone for one week. And, uh, <laughs> but it is going to cross two Saturdays. So potentially 16th and 23rd of June, I will not be in country. So, it's, okay. Yeah, it's high potential there. I'm, I'm st- we're still weighing it, uh, whether or not to do it. We're looking at airline tickets and see if we can afford it. But uh, yeah, I, you know, it, you know, and, and be honest with you, you know, we've done like little weekend trips here, you know, two three days there, and and yeah. and my type of vacation is like uh, a pina colada in the ocean, <laughs> and not in uh, Hawaii. Yeah. No, I mean, Todd, I just don't take vacations. I, I never, I mean, I, I don't I either. Even, I don't I can't even, I can't even remember the last time I took a vacation. I don't even know what those are anymore. Yeah. So that, that is part of the, you know, I vowed this year to get one in and, uh, to get a true one in, um, because the rat race, it's you just, you, you know, you and I are both the same. I'm, I'm up at four thirty in the morning. Uh, and I very rarely wrap up here until seven or eight o'clock at night. I try to get a gym workout in and, um, there's just a lot of stuff going on. 
I know. I'm actually worse than that, Todd, because I work for a company that's based in Europe. Um, so I'm I'm burning the candle at both ends because yeah. I'm the furthest one away from <sighs> the team that I work for as far as time zones. Yeah. So, you know, it, it forces me to work early in the morning and late, I mean, really late, late at night, like after midnight, uh, pretty much every day. No, I, uh, I'm not doing yeah. that. That's, that's yeah. it's rough. Yeah. So, but that's, that's the life of uh, working, you know, like a, for a virtual company that's scattered all over the world. I mean, right. we have people in South America, we have people in Central Europe, we have people in New York. Um, so, you know, there's always something going on. Yeah. Uh, basically at least 18 hours a day. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. That's, and I think it is to some degree for many people, I think you look to the future. I think it's the future of work for many people. Um, the days of going into an office in your local city, you know, for many people are, those days are gone. Right. But, so. you know, and in, at this point in the game, me being out for a week, um, you know, if, yeah. if things don't survive, it shouldn't survive to begin with. Um, to be honest, if you can't leave for a week, yeah. if you can't leave your job for a week and be you know, largely disconnected, unless there's emergencies or, yeah. you know, something to that effect, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're, you, you really shouldn't be in business at that point. Um, things should be able to survive a week with being gone. Well, you're, you're in this kind of small business dilemma, right? That's that lots of business people struggle with sure. when they start a, a, a small company is, yeah. is that, you know, it's hard for owners and founders to let go. Yeah. Right. Um, they, they've been integral to the company's, um, achievements and their ongoing success to the point. And it sounds like you're getting to a point now where you're delegating enough. Well, um, and, it, it, and you trust the team that you have enough to do that. Well, there'll be 5,000 emails in my inbox when I get back. But you know, of course, yeah. <laughs> Same thing happens to me when I go off and go to two conferences, right? Right. I, right. There's no way that I can keep up with all the work. Yeah. Plus, uh, have my focus be on doing what's best at yeah. these conferences. And, yeah. And I and I thought it was really interesting that the people at uh, Pod Summit were like, "You're," you know, would ask me, "You're actually going to stay for the whole thing?" It's like. You know, and and engage with the community after and before, and yeah. you're going to be. I mean, I, I mean, it was just a one day event, and they're asking me that question. Really, right? they it's thought like, you're just going to bop in and bop out. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's what a lot of people do at these conferences. I, I know that happens a lot at NAB, and happens a lot at these bigger trade yeah. shows. Yeah, you know, speakers will come in and they'll just do their speech, and then they'll head right to the airport. Hmm. You know, so you know. You know, and you and I and Rob Walsh and those that have been in this medium for a long time are all about community. And the only way you're going to build community is by staying and meeting people and connecting and sharing yep. and listening to what other people have to say. And and that's the whole point of going to these things. It's not just for me to go there and give my speech and leave. Right. And hang out, have a beer or a glass of wine or whatever yeah, exactly. afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And meet people and talk to them. You know, I mean, that was the feedback that I gave the pod summit, you know, kind of, um, the creator of that, that event is that, you know, he needs to have more 
pre-events and after-hours events and things like that around it. Now, granted, it's, it's only a one-day event, so it's not like you have a lot of opportunity for that. But right. I think next year he's going to have uh, – I think he's going to be in a situation maybe he can do a two-day event, which means that that doubles the networking opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to have to have a two-day event if he wants to become a national show. Right. Where people are going to fly in from Toronto and Ottawa and these other cities, people aren't going to want to do that for a one-day event. <clears throat> and I'll be honest with you, I cringe just a little bit about the commitment I have to make for podcast movement, the amount of time I have to make for podcast movement. And oh, yeah. I love the show, don't get me wrong, but I yeah. spend a week at NAB and there's 100,000 people there, you yeah. know, and, um, you know, and we're talking, you know, a, a pretty full week, you know, from a travel standpoint for me. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's big and it's, uh, you know, and it, it falls right, you know, right in the middle of a week. Um, you know, so there's, there's no buffer on either end. So. Well, and we've talked about this, that it doesn't have a weekend on it. No, no. And that's going to impact the event, I think. Well, it's, you know, there's, yeah. I, I just, I know, uh, I yeah. I'd rather, it, I, I wish it would have went like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, because I, I think about being, a, I've got a whole team out of the office for, you know, for a whole week. And, um, you know, if it, if it'd be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday with pre-events starting on Wednesday, at least I can have people in the office Monday, Tuesday, but the way yeah. it is now we got to fly people really. Um, if we're going to be there for the whole thing, I got to fly people on Sunday. Um, and not get back till Friday or something. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then again, Friday burns and for people that are working, have regular jobs, they got to burn 40 hours of vacation time. That's five. And most companies only give five to 15 days worth of vacation a year. So I, I just think about the independent content creators and having to burn that much vacation time. And, um, yeah. and, you know, for business owners, it's okay. It's, it's, it's not vacation, it's work, but for the attendees, it's vacation time. Yeah. And for independent content creators, most of them have JLBs. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, yep. um, yep. we've talked about it already, but yeah. So you know, the planning planning process at Podcast Movement is coming along too. I mean, um, content from the standpoint of sessions and things is progressing pretty aggressively right now. Yeah. Um, things are coming together on that. I'm sure you've got your <clears throat> your agenda and yeah, we're working on the marketing too. working on the marketing plan. So yeah, it was yeah. a large part of my. We have a weekly meeting with our marketing company on Monday. That was a big part of it. So. But if you look at their list of people that are participating this year, it's uh, it's pretty big, and mm-hmm. um, you've got uh, you've got Acast, Ad Large, American Public Radio, Audible, BuzzFeed, iHeartRadio, IAB, Gimlet, ESPN, Edison, Midroll, NPR, Panoply, Public Media, PRI, PRX, Turner, Triton, Spotify, Slate, Scripps, Radiotopia, Baritone, WNYC, Wondery. Notice a trend there. Yeah. Lots of public radio types. 
lots, mm-hmm. lots and lots and lots and lots. Yeah. Yep. And now they bought Pocket Cast. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. So it's all right. Yep. <clears throat> it is. Yeah. It's the evolution of what's happening here. Yeah. The question. Yep. But anyway. Um, okay. We're, oh, man, we're here at the end. How do we make it to the end? I don't know, Todd. It's always a mystery to me <laughs> how we make it to the end every week. All right. Well, um, I guess we're on for next week. I don't have anything. I guess I'm going to be here. Are you going to be? Are you going to be around next week? Yeah. Of okay. course. All right. And you go to when? When do you actually go to Lisbon? Lisbon is at the end of the month on the twenty. I think I leave well, on the twenty sixth, twenty seventh. Oh, so you're going to be gone for Memorial Day then. Don't get back until like the first couple days of June. Wow, that's so, nice. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You gonna take a little vacation while you're there at the same time? Put your feet in the water or something? Well, I had to actually, if I wanted to get a decent airfare to get there, I had to stay a week. Really? Yeah, because if I stayed anything less than a week on my return flight. They they doubled the air the um, airfare. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting well, how that I works. Guess. Looks how yeah. that it's interesting how that works out. Uh, hey boss, uh, it's uh, four thousand dollars if I stay a week with for or no, it's two thousand dollars for airfare if I stay a week, or it's five thousand dollars if I stay for three days. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard sell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are, those are easy ones. Uh, you can stay a week, even the extra hotel. It does. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Cause the hotel is not that expensive there. Oh, no, that's good. All right. Yeah. That's one thing but, too about Asia too. Hotels are, are you can say a five-star hotel for, uh, you know, a lot less money than you can obviously in the United States. So, yeah. Um, you, you look at the airfare, then you like look at the hotel and like, oh, that kind of offsets. <laughs> it's kind of, you're kind of like, oh, it's about the same vacation as going to Disneyland. Instead, you're, you know, you're in some foreign country in a five-star hotel. So you're probably all caught up in the, the whole booth um, process with NEB, right? Um, that's, that's, that's an I- interesting process, isn't it? I I mean, s- yeah, I, I, ch- I did choose my booth. Um, during I, the booth selection time, yeah, I did too. So, but but you have to pay for it like soon, right? Or start paying for Say, it. Yeah, like, start paying in, for it. June, in June, is it in June for next year? Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's paid like in three separate payments, right? So, right. So they get you locked into the next year's exhibition event really early in the process. Yeah. We didn't we didn't realize this when we got got involved with this that that's how that worked. Well, you can always say no. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want to participate, it's probably not a smart move, though. Right. Right. <clears throat> Given how they they do their things. Yeah. And but I haven't heard really any kind of a new strategy uh, for us being there, though. No, right? I, that's my concern here too. Yeah. And so. the positioning's a little bit better, but it's unless you're on the front row, which you and I both are not. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think we're in okay places on the show floor, but, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, 
I just don't know what they're going to do around us, if you know what I mean, from a yeah. content and visibility um, and traffic flow, because we're not really in a much different situation than we were last year right. in some ways. Right. So. Well, uh, you know, I will say that I am, I've made uh, some, I have a couple of very high end potential clients that will essentially pay for the show. So I've, I've had some good, good leads out of it. So good. No, I think it's a good, good show to be at in the bigger picture of things. I, I do think it helps get some credibility to the industry. Yep. Uh, though I think it's got a long way to go. We can't even be members of NAB yet. So if that yep. tells you we're still on the outside. So hopefully, <laughs> so hopefully we can stick and rudder these folks a little bit on the content piece this year. Yeah, hopefully we can. Well, I was recommending to them that they just let uh, Dan and Jared run their content. Mm. But, but we'll see on that. Does Dan and Jared have enough CPU cycles to do that, top of everything else? I believe they are willing. Mm. Okay. So I think it would be a good, probably a good approach for NAB to do And it's do not that. like they're scheduling 80 sessions. They're scheduling a dozen or less. So... Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a little bit like what uh, Jacobs Media is doing with the right, you know, with the radio industry coming in and booking like a track mm-hmm. to bring in radio people. Yeah, um, I'm also hearing that uh, Podfest in Orlando may be making some some moves oh, for the really? next year too. Yeah, what kind so of moves? Just making the event a little bigger and mm. more of a national event. Okay. So. I think it's a good, good development that's coming down from that. All right. Well, okay. I mean, if you think about uh, Podfest and Podcast Movement, they, 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 they're kind of alternating events, right? Yeah. It, it, if you look at the calendar, um, they they're like five six months apart. So I think it's a, I think it makes sense. It's a good split. Yeah. It is. Okay. Let's get right. out of here. Everyone, thanks for being here. If you have questions for me, it's Todd at Blueberry.com. And you can follow me on on uh, Twitter at Geek News, Rob. Mm-hmm. I can be found on Twitter as well. It's a good place. I I just post up there a lot. I kind of I kind of wonder though, Todd, about the viability of Twitter going forward. Um, but anyway, I keep posting over there uh, at Rob Greenley, and I can also be reached an email uh, Rob at Voxnest uh, Can be a place you can find me as well, Rob. If they don't survive. Um, social media is going to be impacted. So anyway, everyone, thanks for being here. (laughs) We'll see you next week on the new media show. Everyone take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.